week of the series gone before. Um, I, I will give you a sneak preview of uh, what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks as we go into the Christmas season. Uh, has anybody ever seen the, the, uh, the, the, I don't know if it's claymation or what it is, uh, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, with Rudolph and Clarice and uh, the Island of Misfit Toys? Uh, well, I don't know if you recognize this or not, but, but a lot of us are misfit toys. We're not exactly put together right. There's some things that are just a little bit off about most of us, and I, I am number one in that category. I am literally the Charlie in the box. That is me. Um, so we're going to be talking about, we got, we're going to be talking about different people that seem to be misfits in the Bible, and we're going to talk about what God says about those people. Um, it's called, uh, I think it's called um, All Misfit Toys Welcome Here. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Uh, because I really believe that there are a lot of misfit toys out there just like me, and we all need encouragement from the Word of God that shows us that we can indeed be used of God, even though we're messed up in a lot of ways. So that's what we'll be talking about in the next four weeks uh, leading up to Christmas. Uh, but right now we're in the book of Joshua. We've been talking about this guy, uh, I would say um, young guy, but he's actually probably about 80 years old at this point in time, and, and God has led him to the banks of the Jordan River, and they're about to go over into the promised land, the Canaan land that, that, that God has said to Moses, this is the place that I've got set up for you, and it is the land flowing with milk and honey, and it's the place that I have given over to you. Uh, just, you got, you got to be ready to go there. And they make some mistakes along the way, and ultimately the people that are there in that first generation, they never make it there. Uh, but, but Joshua is there after Moses has died, and Joshua, his job now is to take the people into the promised land, and uh, he's got a big task before him. Uh, we talked about the first week how, how God had just encouraged Joshua to be strong and be courageous, that, that he was going to face some opposition in, in what he was going to be doing, and he needed to be strong and he needed to be courageous. Uh, and then it goes on to say at the end of that chapter how, how God had, had gone before Joshua and impressed upon the people's hearts that, that Joshua was the man. He was the one that was supposed to lead them there. And, and they said back to Joshua the same thing that God had said to Joshua, and that is, you do what, what you're telling us to do, and, and we'll be sure to follow you, and we'll, we'll kill anybody that's not willing to follow you. Uh, they said, but only be strong and be courageous. And we talked about the fact that God is the one that put that in their hearts to say that. Back to Joshua, as confirmation that, yes, indeed, God has gone before Joshua and prepared those hearts for what he was supposed to do. And we talked about last week, we talked about Rahab, uh, who was actually inside the walls of Jericho. She had a, a house strategically placed inside the walls of Jericho, and she let some spies, some Israelite spies, come in and hang out there for a little bit and uh, kind of show them the fact that, that God has already begun to, to prepare the hearts of the, the, the Canaanite people that were inside the walls of Jericho. 
they had gone ahead and started to put fear in their hearts of the Israelite people. We all know that it's, it's easier to defeat people when they're fearful of you. And God knows that about people. So that's the reason he put fear in the hearts of those people that were going to be taken over by the Israelites. And uh, this, this lady Rahab, it, it says that, that she, she took care of the spies and she told them where to hide. And she told them how to go and run away and where to go and all that kind of stuff. And God had prepared that, that heart, that seeking heart. She had the seeking heart for God. Uh, God had prepared her heart for what was about to happen. As a matter of fact, uh, the walls of Jericho do come tumbling down, which we're going to talk about today in Joshua chapter 6. But the walls do come tumbling down, and when they do, Rahab is spared, and she actually goes and lives amongst the Israelite uh, Israelite people. She was a prostitute, and God changed her heart, and she begins to live amongst the Israelite people. And we even go on to see that Matthew says that she is in the lineage of Jesus, Uh, She is in the lineage of King David, and because of that, in the lineage of Jesus. So if you think that there's something that's holding you back, that's something that's in your past, that's keeping you from pushing forward for the kingdom of God, I would say that you're wrong. I would say if if you're willing and you are seeking God with your heart, that God can use you no matter what your past looks like. That's good news, right? Uh, That's very good news. As a matter of fact, they call that good news the gospel. And that is that no matter what your past looks like, if you're seeking God and you search him out with your heart and you desperately want him and you want his ways and not your ways, that you can be rescued. Just like Rahab was rescued out of those vile, awful, terrible Canaanite people. She had a seeking heart and God rescued her and saved her out of that. So today we look at at, at the walls of Jericho and, and we look at the fact that the walls are coming down I hate to have that spoiler alert for you, but the walls do come down. I think everybody probably has heard this story, right? They, they know that the walls do come down. So the walls are very thick, and it's like this very uh, well-fortified place Jericho is. And it, it must have looked like, I, I can't imagine what it must have looked like, as a matter of fact. I mean, these huge, thick walls, these monstrous Canaanite people inside, they're, they're vicious warriors, They're vile, they're evil people because we know that they do all kinds of stuff, sacrificing children, engaged in all kinds of sinful sinful acts and all that kind of stuff. So obviously, they really don't have any moral fiber whatsoever, so that probably means they fight dirty, right? Everybody knows the the people that fight dirty, you don't want to fight against those people, do you? Um, They're probably a little bit crazy, as a matter of fact, and I've always said this. There's a buddy of mine I've told this to. um, I would rather fight somebody that was strong than I had fight somebody that was crazy. Are you right? Are you agree with me about that? Yeah, I, I would rather fight a strong person than I had a crazy person. Because a crazy person, you don't know what they're about to do. You don't know which angle they're coming from. You don't know what's about to happen with a crazy person. I believe that these Canaanite people were probably a little bit crazy. If they got no moral fiber at all, then, then there's probably a little bit of crazy in the Canaanite people. And we see that uh, in, in Jericho. Let's, let's look at Matt, uh, Excuse me, Joshua chapter 6. Begin reading here. It says, We're actually going to do something kind of strange today. We're going to go into chapter 6, read chapter 6, then we're going to go back to the last part of chapter 5. So if you want to, you know, sneak and look at chapter 5, you're welcome to do that. But just hang with me in chapter 6 first. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. We saw this last week that Rahab said, man, the people in here are terrified of these crazy Israelite people. And it says, no one has allowed, uh, no one was allowed to go out or in. See, that seems backwards to me. It should say in or out. Out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men shall march around the town once a day for six days. 
Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you were to march around the town seven times to the priests blowing their horns. When you hear the priests, give one long blast on the ram's horn, and all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. What? Really? I mean, if I was talking to God, and this is what he said, I would be like, are you sure? Uh, God, um, forgive me for my lack of faith, but you're telling me that these strongly fortified walls uh, that were built uh, to protect against the strongest enemies, that all we got to do is march around them and blow a few horns and they'll come tumbling down. I have to admit, in, in me being who I am, I would have had to go, God, are you sure? Uh, it sounds kind of ridiculous to me, but are you sure that this is what we're supposed to do? I had this similar kind of experience not too long ago. You see, God had put on my heart that I was supposed to start a church. And I went, God, are you sure? I mean, I really kind of like what I'm doing in ministry right now. And it, it seems to be going well. And there, there are people, their lives are being changed. And, and, and things are good. And like, I mean, things are really good, as a matter of fact. And God said, yeah, but I'm calling you to do something else. And I went, God, are you sure? As a matter of fact, I even said, God, I really don't want to. Uh, it's, it's really not something I want to do. And God says, <laughs> I, I really believe that God spoke to my heart and said, was that the question? <laughs> Whether or not you wanted to or not? Well, not really. This was back in May, okay? And, and in May, I had been praying about this thing. God had put this on my heart like for over a year and back in May, that's when I had this discussion with God, and he kind of broke my heart. Uh, some people had taken up some money and given it to me, and it was $212. I, I, I don't hesitate to tell you that. That's exactly how much it was. It was $212. And God spoke to my heart. I really believe that he spoke to my heart and said, you will use this $212 to start <laughs> Simple Church. And at that point in time, I had the idea, Simple Church, in my head. And I, 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 God had laid that on my heart you know, sometime before that. And I thought, well, that's good, $212. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. I'm sure that just anybody and everybody can start a church with $212. That sounds very reasonable and rational to me. Now, you have to understand, at that point in time, there was no building. I had no idea that there was any kind of building that we could possibly use. I had no idea that, that there would be people that would be willing to play instruments for Simple Church and sing praises to God. I had no idea about any of that, but God was telling me to do it. He was impressing upon my heart that this is what you're supposed to do, and I know it doesn't make any sense. I'm sure, I am sure that Joshua must have felt this way when he is sitting there looking at the walls going, are you kidding me? We're supposed to walk around, and they're supposed to play some, some horns, and we're supposed to shout really loud, and this is what is going to happen. Um, forgive me, Lord, for having so much doubt, but I, I'm sure that Joshua um, had this thought running through his head. It says in verse 6, So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town and arm the men, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with seven horns Ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant uh, followed behind, behind them. 
Some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some from the, behind the ark and the priest continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town twice, uh, once that day, and everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priest carried, again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests and the seven uh, ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the, the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priest with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. And all the time the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp, and they followed this pattern for six days. So what do we see? We see Joshua giving the commands to the people that God has gone before them and prepared their hearts, and they have got to do what God has told Joshua to do. They've got to follow his leadership, and, and here they are. They're doing it. He's just saying, okay, guys, you got to go, and, and when I say go, you're supposed to go, and, and, and don't say a single word until I give you the word to shout. And for seven days, they do this over and over again. Can you imagine day after day having to go out there and supposedly this crazy leader has told you that this is what we're supposed to do, y'all. This is what God told me we're supposed to do. I can imagine that the day after day they were going like, by, by, the, by the third day I'm going like, all right, this dude's crazy. Uh, you know, we, we've been doing this every day and nothing's really happening. I don't see anything happening. And, and, and he keep, they keep going around and I'm sure at, this, at some point in time they're even questioning uh, Joshua and his leadership going, man, is he really, are we supposed to be doing this? But I believe, I believe that there is a time when God is doing some similar things in our life. As we take steps of obedience day after day, as we take single small steps, little things that we're supposed to be doing, I believe that God, what he's doing is a couple of things. I believe that he is strengthening our desire for what he has called us to do. Now, I believe that this time of patience where we're supposed to just be obedient and take these steps, I believe that God is strengthening our passion. Not only is he strengthening our passion, he's strengthening our faith. He's strengthening our, our, in our minds the fact that we need to rely on God, rely, rely on the one who has gone before us. I believe every single day that you take those single steps of obedience, as they were taking those steps of obedience around the walls of Jericho, I believe that God was strengthening them. Because, see, this is what we think. Let, let me tell you what happens in our mind. I can tell you what happens in my mind, and maybe this happens in yours too, and that is that as I take these steps of obedience and I don't really see anything happening, I go, God, are you sure? Uh, God, I'm not really sure about this. I'm not really sure that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Are you sure? And God says, keep marching. You keep marching. You keep marching. I'm the one that, that has called you to this. I'm the one that, that, that's, that's prepared everything before you. So what do we do? We just we keep marching. And you and your life and your struggles and your, your insurmountable task and, and the trials that you face and the difficulties in your face, in your life, I know they're difficult. I know that there's some times when you question God and you say, God, am I, are you sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. My advice to you, and this just comes from my experience, just keep marching. Keep doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. Keep on keeping on. I have always said that, that people say, well, how do you know if you're supposed to do something different? I, well, you know how I'm supposed to, I know if I'm supposed to be doing something different? When God impresses upon my heart that you're supposed to change the plan, it is so heavy and such a heavy burden on my life that I cannot refuse it. I cannot deny that it's truly of God. I just keep doing what I'm doing. 
I just keep doing the same thing that God's already told me to do until God tells me to do something different. I know that that sounds kind of, you know, like, yeah, duh, that's common sense. But no, really. Some people, they get a, a twinge or they get an idea. Oh, I'm supposed to just change everything and go do this. And I would say, if it's really of God and it's really something God's called you to do, then let it grow. Let it build. Let your strength build. As you trust in God, as you take steps of obedience, going towards the goal that you feel like God has led you, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't be looking to make some strong variations or go off this way or off that way. Just keep doing what you're doing. And here, this is what we see. When God gives them the victory, it says, On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. You know why they did it before? Because God told them to. But this time, this time. See, we never know when this time is going to be. We never know exactly, uh, as we take these steps of obedience, exactly when we're going to get the victory. But it says, this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout. He says, now is the time that you're supposed to shout, for the Lord has given you the town. This is what he says. He says, you can shout, you can shout victory, because God has given it to you. And he says, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed. It's an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared. For she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town, captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it, with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. So this is what happened, is that Joshua has got his people, and he's got the priests, and they're, they're, they're traveling around the town, they're, going, they're circling Jericho over and over again, taking steps of obedience that God has called them to take. And finally, they get the victory, and the walls come crashing down, and can you imagine? I imagine that, that when they begin to shout, I believe that when they begin to shout for victory because God has given them the town already, I believe that as the, 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 the can you imagine the top of the wall starting to crumble? Can you imagine it starting to shake and, and, and stones starting to fall off the top of that wall? I bet their shouting got louder, don't you think? I bet that once they start to see stones fall off that wall, I bet you couldn't silence them if you wanted to. Because God had given them a victory. They knew it. They were seeing it. It was coming to fruition because God had said, yes, I have gone before you. Same thing with this place. Had no idea. No idea in my mind that this building even existed at this point in time when God had called me to do this thing. You know what my motivation was? What God had impressed upon my heart, the reason I was supposed to do what God had called me to do was for his people. It was for, for people that don't know Jesus. It was for people that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus. It was, it was for, for people, for his people. The same thing with Jericho, for his people. For they, so that people could see that he was the one true God and he had power, supernatural power that doesn't make any sense in this world. Supernatural power. 
You see, a lot of times we get fixated in our minds and we think that it, it's my responsibility. I've got to do this. I've got to make it happen. Even though God has said go and do this thing, that I've got to somehow make it happen. I've, I, somehow I've got, to, I've got to put the hand to the plow and I've got to make all the things grow, you know? And it's like, no, no. It's not the way it is at all. As you take steps of obedience, as you follow God's plan for your life, those difficult, insurmountable challenges... They disappear. They go away. They fall at the hand of an almighty God. So what is it in your life that you struggle with? What is it in your life that looks so insurmountable? It looks like there's no possible way. But you know, indeed, God has called you to face it. Um, we're going to back up just a little bit. And I've I got to show you something that's going on here in Scripture in uh, Joshua chapter 5. We're going to back up to verse 13, and I want to show you something that right before they're ready to march on Jericho, they're ready to take it down, what God has done and what he did with Joshua. You see, you have to understand at this point in time that, that there are ceremonies that have been performed. The people are, are really getting re-energized, and they're getting strengthened, and they're like, you know, uh, they, they've reinstituted circumcision, and they, they've got... they've. Per- participated in the, the Passover feast, and, and, and you know, they're, they're just really jazzed and really fired up because, because God is with them. It's obvious because they take the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River, and, and it gets dry again. We've seen this happen before, right? The water parts, it gets dry, and they walk across on dry land, and they actually stack up some stones to commemorate this place where the Ark of the Covenant goes across, and, and these people are just blown away. The water recedes at at this point in time, the, the Jordan River was overflowing and, and the water just kind of recedes and they're able to walk across and they're like, yes, God is with us. God is here. It's time for us to go. And I'm sure they got a little overzealous maybe. And they may have been like, wow, let's go now. Let's take Jericho. It's time. It's time. It's time. But they had to wait on God. And they had to wait on God's timing. And they had to be patient. And, and, and Joshua, I even believe that Joshua probably kind of struggled with this, and, and he was, as their leader, he's probably the one that's had to go, hey, 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 all right, I know that this is going to happen. I know it, it's going to come, and it's going to make, God's going to make a way, and it's going to come to fruition. I, I know it's going to happen, okay, but we got to be patient, and I believe that God just kind of instills that in him in uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. It says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, this is before they marched on Jericho, okay? Joshua is near the town of Jericho. He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Now, what is Joshua doing here? Uh, they're all camped out. They're on the banks of the Jordan, and, and, and Joshua is near Jericho. What is going on? I believe he was searching out. He was trying to find out what Jericho looked like. And I imagine in his own mind, he, it must have looked like an insurmountable challenge. I'm sure that, that to Joshua, he was going, and he was looking, he was going, Lord, I'm standing here, and I'm looking at the walls, and those walls are really, really thick. Um, we've got this pit and trench in front of the walls, and there's no way we're going to make it across that. And if we do, you know, how are we going to take down those walls? Because there's no way you can take over a city unless you take down its walls. There's just not, not any way. And he was probably feeling the weight of all of that on his shoulders. He's probably feeling like, it's on me. It's on me. i got to do this thing. i got to make it happen somehow. God has said, go do it, and now it's on me. i got to do it. So here he is. He's checking out Jericho, right? He's, he's trying to spy it out, see what's going on, looking at the walls, probably thinking like the whole weight of the world is on my shoulders at this point. And he sees a guy standing there. And he says, he's got his sword in hand, so his sword is drawn. 
That, that's, I don't know about you, but that's kinda, that, that means attack, right? That means that, that something bad's about to happen. If I walk up on a dude and he's got sword in hand, he didn't have it on his hip or on his back or anything like that. This is sword in hand. He's ready to go. And so Joshua has to ask him. He says, Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? He said, uh, I got to know, man. Are you here to try to take me out? Are you here to try to help me? I love, love, love Joshua chapter 5. In verse 14, beginning in verse 14, this is what he says. He says, neither one. Neither one. I imagine that's very confusing if you're reading this story and you read, neither one. What? Neither one? You're neither friend nor foe. You didn't come to help me. You didn't, you, you, you're not here to oppose me. You, you're, which, what? What do you mean neither one? Look at what this is. And he says, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell on his face and ground in reverence. I am, your, I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. This is a very critical piece of the puzzle. A lot of people, as they're reading chapter 6, they miss the end of chapter 5, and I'm like, man, you've missed the best part. You've missed the whole thing if you miss the end of chapter 5. What happens to Joshua is he runs into Jesus. I believe that this is Jesus. I've read plenty of people that say it's not Jesus. He calls himself the, the commander of the Lord's army. I believe this is Jesus because as Joshua's in, the, in front of him, he falls down and starts worshiping him. I believe if it had been anybody else besides Jesus, if it had just been an angel, for example, I believe that the angel would have rebuked him and said, Did you get up? Don't worship me. You worship the Lord only. But I believe this was Jesus standing here with sword in hand. Can you imagine standing there in the presence of Jesus saying, and you're asking him, Am I, are you friend or foe? And he says, neither one. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? He, he said, you're either here to oppose me or you're here to help me. And Jesus says, neither one. Why? Why? It's because God has gone before. It's because God was the one that was to take Jericho, not Joshua. You understand? He, he wasn't there to get on Joshua's side. Joshua was there to get on God's side. That is a huge difference. If you miss that, you miss everything. You see, when we're called to do stuff in our life, it's not that we're just called for us to go and do something. It's that we're called to go and get on board with God's plan the whole time. Do you see what a gift that is? To say that it doesn't fall on your shoulders. It is not your responsibility. It is God's responsibility to go, for, go before and plan and make it happen. All you got to do is get on board with that plan. Do you see that? And Joshua, what does he do? He falls down and he starts worshiping the Lord. And he says, I am your servant. I am here to be on your team. This is not about me, but it is everything to do with God. It is everything to do with what God has in store he says, I am your servant. And what does he say to him? He says, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy. You are standing in the presence of the Lord. You ever heard this before? You ever heard this before when, when Moses was there at the burning bush and he had to take his sandals off because the place that he was in was holy. When you are standing in the presence of the Lord, it is holy. It is holy. 
And this is a reminder to Joshua, this is God's plan, and this is God's way, and this is what God wants in your life. All you got to do is get on board. What about you in your life? What about the insurmountable challenges that you face, the difficulties that you face, and you know that God is calling you to face up to them, to look them in the eye and not be afraid? Let, let, me, let me challenge you with this. When you're laying awake tonight and you're worried about those things and, and you're, you're shaking in your bed because you, you just don't want to face them, it's too difficult, it's, there's too much heartache in it, I want you to picture the Lord Jesus standing there with sword in hand going, come on and go with me. Come on and go with me because I'm going before you. You have nothing to fear. Just be strong and be courageous. That is the message from God to you today. Be strong and be courageous because I have gone before. Because I have sword in hand and I'm going to take out the enemy. I'm going to face the obstacles before you ever face them. Ephesians chapter 6 as we're talking about putting on the whole armor of God. And he says... Paul says to people, he says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. See, we always look at the physical. We always look at the right now, the right here, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and what, what Paul is telling us is you've got to look beyond that because in our feeble minds we think that we have to do something. We have to make it happen. And there's so much more to it. There's so much more to it than that. There's... there's Things that are going on in heavenly realms that we can't see. That our, our minds are just fixated on what we can see and what we can hear. And we have to understand that we are facing so much more than that. Let me ask you this question. As you are facing these things in your life and you're looking at the physical and you recognize that there's something deeper going on. There's something on spiritual level, something deeper in heavenly places that are going on. Don't you want a supernatural power on your side, in your corner going with you into those trials and difficulties? Some people are trying to take it on by themselves. Some people are, are trying to do it all by themselves. And let me tell you this, it won't work that way. It won't work that way. If you've never surrendered your heart and life to Christ, if you've never given him everything and said, I'm on board with your plan for my life and not my own, you will constantly struggle against heartache and you will struggle against difficulties and you will feel alone and you will feel empty. But if you surrender your heart and life to Christ, that means you're getting on board with God's plan for your life. And because of that, you can find rest and peace and assurance that surpasses all understanding. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. What are you facing today? What is your difficulties? What are your trials? What are you scared to face in your life? Do you recognize that, that you're getting on board with God's plan? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Is he there leading you, guiding you, instructing you in all the things that you should do? Are you trying to do things your own way? What is your answer today? Let me pray and we'll have a time where we can praise Jesus. If you feel like you need to come down here and pray, feel welcome to do that. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be happy to pray with you. If you want us to stay here till Tuesday with me praying with you, I'll do that. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do that. Let me pray and then we'll just have a time where we can just praise Jesus, respond to Jesus, worship Jesus. If you need to give your heart and life to Christ, I beg you, please, come and talk to one of us. We would be happy to tell you and share with you how you can do that. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this precious word and how you love us enough to correct us and instruct us and encourage us. 
God, I just pray that somebody today that was looking for encouragement, they were looking for, God, what did you need to say to me today? What am I here for? There's a reason I'm here. I don't know what it is. I pray, God, God, that they have heard clearly from you and they know exactly what they need to do now in their life. God, for the person that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, they're not on board with your plan for their life. I pray that they would surrender their hearts and lives to you today. God, for the Christian, the follower of Jesus that is struggling, God, and they, they see all the things that they're coming up against in their life, and God, they, they, they're trying to seek meaning, and they're trying to figure it out. Lord, I pray that today they would just recognize that we are just on board with your plan for our lives, that we just need to trust in you and, and have faith in you and take the steps that you've called us to take. God, I pray, Lord, for the people that are seeking, the people that just need you today, I pray that they would find you. I pray that they would find strength and comfort in your word. God, we exist for your glory. We are here as your servants, your humble servants, uh, before the mighty warrior, the, the Lord of heaven's armies. God, I just pray, God, that we would seek guidance, Lord, from you today. Whatever you would have us to do, however you would have us to respond, I pray that we would be obedient to that. God, we love you. This is your time. Be glorified now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.